7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. Today was the most incredible day of my life so far. Um, it's that day I've dreamt of since I was a child, and gosh, to for it to come true in my third Grand Prix is scary. I, honestly, I can't believe it. It's been from the day starting in Red Bull Rookies Cup. It's just been a, a consistent grind trying to get here. And, uh, you know, I came through the class of Red Bull KTM, and here we are on top, and we finally won in MotoGP. And uh, as the race went on, I saw I was stronger than him, so I made the overtake on Fabio. And, uh, yeah, then once I caught uh, Franco, I sat there for a lap, and I saw that I had a good advantage in the grip. So uh, I just waited, and then I tried to attack as soon as I over- made the overtake. And, uh, you know, I honestly, I was just waiting because I thought maybe the last three laps someone's going to come because my pace dropped so hectic but obviously everyone's did so uh, I just pushed so hard the last three laps I tried to I think it was the cleanest three laps I've ever done and uh, incredible what a day my team gave me such an amazing bike my bike worked so good I can't even explain it was actually it was actually surprising me today very often and uh, hats off to my team they they worked so well this weekend. We didn't start in a great way, but we got to the bike to an unbelievable place, and uh, we won our first Grand Prix together. Uh, but I, I honestly, I don't think it's ever going to set in. Honestly, I don't. It's the first time I won in Moto Three. I thought this is insane. Like I was quite content with that. If that was the end, that was okay. And you know, if we look at where we are today, it's just unbelievable. All, all with Red Bull, all with KTM. We've won in all three classes, and I hope this is the beginning of something great. And we sure hope so too, Brad. Well done again. I think it is a historic moment in South African sport. It is one of those days where you will remember where you were when you were watching Brad Binder win his first Moto, Moto uh, GP race at the Czech Republic. I mean, I've watched all three races this year, uh, mainly because of Brad Binder. He was impressive in the first one. He ended up 13th. He had challenges in the middle of the race, but he came back. He crashed out spectacularly in the second race in Jerez. He was even struck by his own bike there. But I heard him speak before the Czech Grand Prix, and he was saying that he's happy with how he's done in the first two races even though uh, the result might not be what might not be what he had wa- hoped for uh, but he was very happy he was feeling good ahead of the Czech uh, Grand Prix and he started in seventh in qualifying and you saw him first go uh, past his own uh, teammate there Espagaro and then he started moving up and then I think he got past Fabio Quattararo and then when he got past Mobidelli you were just praying now that Brad Binder just holds on because he seemed to have so much pace, but could he hold on? And he eventually did, and he held on for a stunning, stunning, stunning victory in MotoGP. So well done, Brad, once again. We spoke to him the last time, last year, November, and that's the interview that we played before we went to the news. And uh, now we look forward to more races in MotoGP because we've got a new star. They say every day a star is born and certainly is with Brad Binder. It's no surprise. It's not a surprise to us because we've spoken to him a few times and we knew that he was on a path uh, to greatness and uh, he sure has stamped his mark in MotoGP Brad Binder. But uh, we're going to talk netball now in the second hour of the show. I did mention that um, there is a group of former players that have written an open letter to Netball South Africa and uh, regarding Black Lives Matter and it's in response actually to a letter that was put out by Netball South Africa also uh, which is uh, 
which was showing support to the Black Lives Matter movement. But these former players are saying, no, 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 not so fast. We still have our own issues here in netball in South Africa and we want those issues to be addressed. So we're going to speak to them next. And we've also invited Netball South Africa. Uh, They are listening uh, to the show so uh, we'll hear from them if they want to be part of the show or not right now there's no confirmation because they say to us that they don't know who the letter comes from but the letter that we have received actually has signatures and it's got names and uh, so we'll find out from them uh, what the letter is all about on the viewpoint mr Bantorum is i would like to ask you uh, with the corruption cases held at state capture and the corrupted people that are well known, but the NPA does nothing, what can you advise ordinary South Africans to do to stand up to corruption? State capture? Oh, it will never be solved unless we educate voters. You heard from a member of the NEC, Nomvulam Konyane, to say, Osasa gave us the money for elections, we used their offices for rallies, for food. Where was that money coming from? Coming from treasury. This is rotten to the core. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. So we switch our attention now to uh, Ned Paul and we are joined on the line by former players uh, Simnigi Omtaka and Zanelem Dotana who will just tell us about this letter that they've written to Ned Paul South Africa. Good evening uh, ladies and thank you very much for joining us on SAFM tonight. Good evening Tabiso, thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Uh, Zanella, maybe I'll start with you. Firstly, who makes up this group? Because when we um, asked Netball South Africa if they've received this letter, they said that this letter is anonymous. They don't know who it comes from. Well, Tabiso, um, it's made up of a group of current players. Uh, when we say current players, now we mean players who play Netball currently mm-hmm. because we're not playing anymore. And uh, we were approached by... Um, these players and they obviously they know us that we are former players uh, they trust us um, they know that we've got netball uh, mm-hmm. at the center of our hearts it's it's the most important thing to us we love netball um, and we will always we always on the lookout to, to make sure that netball is is, is flourishing and, and things are going accordingly where netball is concerned so they, they came to us and they said, you know, we, we want to take you guys in our confidence and we want to just express how we we feel about what is currently happening in Nepal. And uh, and I think, you know, we, we couldn't turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to that uh, because when we were players, we never had people that we could ever confide in or, 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 or speak to and say, listen, these are some of the challenges we're experiencing while we're in the system, while we're currently playing. Uh, will you hear us out? Will you back us? Will you support us? So we found it uh, quite brave uh, from the girls to to say, you know, they want to speak up, they want to express their, their issues and their dissatisfaction with what's currently happening in Netball. So then, Zanele, when you sent it to Netball South Africa, was it anonymous? Did you say who you were? Because they've told us that they don't know where the letter comes from. Okay, I'll ask me just to give you a clear um, explanation yeah. as to how everything okay. played itself out and how we actually got to get to contact Netball South Africa with regards to this letter. Okay, thanks yeah. for that. Simi, over to you. Thanks, Tavisa. Um, so, so we sent um, the letter through NSA um, via a group email, um, which is called BLM Netball, 
Um, and the reason we established that group, um, to Zalila's point, um, I think on the date that NSA issued um, the statement, which was the 30th of July, um, a group of players asked us um, you know, to, 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 to um, assist them, I think, just airing their, their disagreements or grievances with the letter that was issued by NSA. Um, and I want to highlight this, this, um, the point that they're making to say that NSA is not aware of it because in that conversation that we had um, on the 30th of July, the president of Naples of Africa um, was part of that discussion for a four-hour conversation with a few of the players. So uh, I'm not sure what NSA means by saying that we're anonymous because this is how the, um, the discussion started. It started on the Thursday with about five players, um, Zanel and myself, um, Ubeni, uh, one gentleman, and then Cecilia actually joined us as well to oh. hear some of the grievances that these players had. Um, and then what we did then subsequent to that is I then went um, on the Friday and documented in writing, summarizing the conversation that had taken place um, on Thursday evening, saying that, guys, these are the issues that were raised by the players. Let's document them, draft them, so that a final letter could be presented to Nepal South Africa. So that was always on the cards, and we're very clear about what it is that we wanted to do because we didn't want this to be another hashtag, but we actually wanted to present NSA with a document, and that's why we call the most senior member, um, or the girls rather call the most senior member of the organization so that she was aware of it. Um, the fact that it wasn't cascaded to the rest of the executives, or um, and that's something I don't know who from NSA is saying, they don't know about it, because um, in my view, if you call out and reach out to the most senior member of the organization, our assumption is that they would be cascaded to um, you know, the rest of the executive committee. Um, so the reason we, we think um, as BLM is because from the five players that we started with, we saw that more stories are coming forward um, and there's more players saying that, you know, they really want to voice themselves, but they're not sure if, you know, they're not going to get a call from their coach um, or from the president or the executives, um, which is what has been happening as well. Um, you know, players getting calls from coaches, I think just cautioning them about um, what it is that they're posting on social media or that they're speaking to. So we established BLM um, Netball, I think, as to try and provide a safe space an avenue for people to go and air their concerns as well. Because from the 30th of July to date, I mean, the stories have just been overwhelming. overwhelming, um, And we see it fit that perhaps that could be one avenue to help the people come forward with their own grievances. On that note then, Simi, just uh, what are the contents then of the letter? What are the issues that you've raised with Netball South Africa? So so this one letter, I think, was quite specific um, to the media statement that was made on the 30th of July. Um, one, I think, given the, you know, the, the perception that there's no discrimination or any marginalization in the current Proteus team. Um, and in that call um, that we had, there was actually um, current players in the team who said that they do feel marginalized. Um, they do feel that as black players, um, they're the ones that always um, share positions um, you know, in, in the Proteus team. And we made the examples in the letter specifically around um, the captain, the one who saw me, sharing positions with Kainsa Chawani on, on, on mid-court, as well as um, Uzanela Vimbela um, sharing positions. And I think the biggest concern was that none, um, before the statements were made, the players weren't actually consulted. So they felt as if the captain and the president are, are expressing views um, that don't really represent the players themselves. And um, I think what also came to light was the fact that um, one of the junior players in the team was actually proactive on the 13th of June already by sending out a WhatsApp to the team, to the spot purchase team, asking the team, um, guys, what is happening, um, you know, as far as BLM is concerned, um, 
We haven't seen anything from NSA. What is your guys' perception as a team? Where do we stand as a spot protest team? And not a single person in that spot protest team responded um, to that question. And, and the question was posed by Siggy Berger. And mm. again, we're saying that at least she was proactive enough to try and get some sort of direction from the players to understand where they stand. Um, but, you know, we felt that NSA made a statement that wasn't really um, a good reflection or representation of, of, of where the, 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 you know, the rest of the team stands as far as BLM is concerned. So, so you feel that or you've got an understanding that there are no channels or processes within the structure if players have uh, issues that they want to raise? So, so there is a leadership team um, in, the class, in, in the current spot approaches. Um, there, I think there's about five players that represented. Morgan Swim is part of that. Pumza, Karna Mosset. There's about five players that actually form um, a players association. But I think the concern is that um, players don't want, they often feel as if they're victimized or they are intimidated. And there have been experiences where the players have spoken up and then they would get called um, or sent WhatsApps, you know, by an executive member or, or some of their coaches. So I think that element is still there. And that's why the players felt as if, you know, we're not confident coming forward um, because we don't want to be singled out. Or there's been instances that they, you know, they get left out of the team because they, they were bold. And we know this as well, right? Because when we were players, we went through the same things. I mean, Zanetta was very vocal, uh, myself as well, and a few other players, and we knew what the consequences were of, of, of speaking up. So as much as, you know, um, Cecilia has got the right intentions by saying there is an open channel, we can come forward, it's not always the case because players do get called out on the side by their coaches or by some executive members and reprimanding them for, for exercising their right to speak. Is that why you say then in the letter that the president should be honest or should speak in a personal capacity because not everybody has been consulted here? 100%. And I think that's all the letter is asking for to say. Express the views in your capacity as an individual, both for the president and for um, our, our captain, Mwongi, because the rest of the team... Um, you know, I mean, has not been consulted, first of all, and that is factual. And secondly, there are players within that particular team that actually do feel marginalized. So I think if you really want to give a true reflection, have the consultation, um, or clearly say, this is what we think, um, you know, as, as, as a captain or the president of the organization, 100%. You mentioned um, an issue with Ubongi and KC there uh, that they're being used in the same position. Are you basically saying, and we've been told this by the cricketers that we've spoken to over the past few weeks, for example, Ashwell Prince would tell us that uh, while he tweeted that he can't play in this, he couldn't play in the same team as Alvira Peterson, they would have to drop one for the other. Are you saying the same thing here that maybe they wouldn't have the two players at the same time, they would sub one black player for the other? So, so, I mean, there's, there's been instances um, where they do play both Kanyifa no Nobong at the same time. But, um, I mean, what, what we've been um, accustomed to, and I think over the past um, couple of, of, of games, if you look at that, is um, the two players would change positions, Kanyifa um, and Mwongi, as well as Pumza and Uvimbela. And that's literally how it's been. You almost, um, it's almost as if only the black players are the ones that are sharing positions on court. Which, um, I mean, it's no different to what happened um, in our time. Uzanela will, will, I think, elaborate on this. And we joke about it. Um, Uzanela was raised as a specialist in defense. Um, I think previously played goal defense. But we found ourselves in the national team as well in, in a scenario where Uzanela and I would share positions, you know, um, where she would come from being a defender 
But because, again, black players are the ones that usually share positions, we would find her playing um, a wing attack. And we joke about it. I mean, I, she'll tell you, <laughs> we used to joke about it. And I'd say, Zalala, you've got no business playing wing attack, right? But the reality is that if that happened 10 years ago and we're still the same, seeing the same script hap- happening, you know, then something's fundamentally wrong in terms of um, how we select the players and how we rotate black players. And we're saying that it needs to come to an end. Surely there's enough black players um, at defence, at midcourt and shooting. And I mean, if we take a script from the English um, netball team, they're the most diverse team with enough black players of talent across all positions on court. You don't see those players sharing positions. And in South Africa, where we've got the most transformed sport um, at a grassroots level, we're still struggling when it comes to the top 12. And we're saying that's not acceptable. Surely something needs to be done. Okay, for those who are just joining us, we are speaking to former Proteas players, Usimnigium Daga and Zanelem Totana. They are part of this group that has written a letter to Netball South Africa uh, raising issues and they're not happy with the statement that was released by Netball South Africa on the Black Lives Matter movement. And I've got a message from Netball South Africa. I'll, I'll read it after this. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Still talking to the former players in Netball South Africa. have sent me a message to say, Tabi, so we heard you say that the letter was signed. Uh, the letter that we have uh, does not have any names or signatures. Actually, apologies for that. That's my mistake. The letter was not signed, but when it came to us, we asked, who does the letter come from? And that's how we got the names. So I'm not sure if Netball SA then when they got the letter, but we were told by Simi now that, I mean, they were in a discussion with the president, Cecilia Mulogwane, so the letter didn't even need to be signed there if the president was part of it. So I hope that response is sufficient for Netball South Africa. They are listening to the show. Hopefully then they will come on the show and, and answer back uh, to what's been said here. Zanele, you have not been shy to raise or to raise your voice or to get your points across. Even last year during the World Cup, you were on Twitter. You were saying you can't believe that in 2019, the team is still playing 6-1. For those who missed that, what did you mean by that? Thank you so much, Tabi. So, um, you know, Ustiniki will touch on something that is um, that really just hit a nerve. Because when I was a player, I, you know, I was extremely vocal and... Um, I always got into trouble for that. You know, the other day I went and I opened my um, my nipple folder and I found emails and newspaper articles of, you know, one of the most darkest moments for me when I was a player because for me, when it's wrong, it's wrong. And, um, and, and, and I always said what I wanted to say. And uh, what was always done is that you get threatened and they say, you know, you, you need to be thankful that you're in the team and you need to, um, you know, not speak out or say things that will probably jeopardize your position in the team. And that was the stuff for me that really didn't sit well with me. And um, World Cup last year, 2019, we are in Liverpool and South Africa is playing against an African team. I'm just not sure which one it was, but on court, there was a 6-1 that was being played. I mean, the Sydney and Sunny were in studio at that time, you know, doing the sort of the analysis of the World Cup Super Sports Studio. And I tweeted about this, and I was like, I cannot believe that in 2019 we can see a 6-1 um, on the field of play when Nepal is concerned. I mean, um, we have varsity Nepal in South Africa, and varsity Nepal's rules, for example, they say three players of color on court at all times. That's at a university level. And we take a national team to an international competition, which is the biggest netball competition in the world for for netballers, and we play 6-1. And my point was, was, there was no way we would have lost that game 
even if those four, all those four black players were on court, because that's how good those players are. We cannot be having players of color in the South African national team that go and travel with the team but sit on the bench and just make up numbers. We're going to 2023, and the question I keep asking is, what will our team look like come 2023? Okay, let me also acknowledge some of the SMSs that have come through on 41391. Uh, the first one says, thank you for providing this platform after the stories we saw on Facebook from the posts. We also realized that Netball South Africa and Captain will always protect themselves while black players are suffering. Thank you for this. This will definitely change in Netball. Uh, maybe, Simi, I'll pose this one to you then because you also mentioned the Captain Bongi Wamsomi's comment in that statement. What is the issue that you are taking with that comment of Bongi Wamsomi? So if there is an issue, or what are you trying to say? Because you've also not singled her out, but you've you've mentioned her there. Yeah, so I think, I mean, the, there's two things um, that concern me with, with Bo's um, statement. I mean, she, she's a lovely girl, great captain for, for our country. And I think it, it might just have been an over um, an oversight on her part. But I think nonetheless, right, the, the first part of it is, um, you've got you've got a youngster in your team, um, you know, that that raises a question to the border um, team about the CLM issue. Um, and the first problem is, Siggy Berger, um, it's no secret, it is in the letter, we did include yeah. this, um, you know, is asking the rest of the team where they stand on BLM. And for me, um, not to provide a response or direction, because obviously she was seeking guidance from the leadership, from the coaching staff as well, and she didn't get guidance. And I feel that, um, you know, before Bongi made that um, statement, that's something that she possibly could have done as well um, to try and get a, a real sense, a real pulse um, of where the team stood on the matter. Because for me, um, had that conversation taken place, perhaps she would have had a much more realistic um, sense of where things stand. So I do think that, one, she should have consulted um, and then would really have given more credibility um, to a statement around BLM and, and, and the current protests. Then the second issue that um, I think really triggered me is, is the statement around the fact that, um, you know, the, the cream of the crop, the 12 in the country have no discrimination or prejudice issues, but um, it is in the lower level um, of Nepal where there's problems and challenges, right? And, and for me, that, that, that was just, that baffled me completely because if you look at the lower levels, if you classify lower levels, right, as your um, provincial and your district um, teams, and, and you look at that, holistically. You've got mass, mass participation of black players there. You've got mass talent. I mean, netball is probably the, the most easily accessible sport um, that has probably the most um, black players participating in because it's available in rural areas, in the locations, in um, suburban areas. So for me, that was a great contradiction because if I look at that, um, I think at a lower level, at grassroots level, there's probably a lot more transformation we are seeing, um, you know, from, from netball if you, if you compare it to the top 12. But now the question I need to ask is, if at a lower level there's so much transformation, where is that being lost that the top 12 is not a reflection of what's happening there? So that question, um, I mean, I, I strongly, strongly oppose because in my view, the lower levels do have challenges, but if we're talking transformation... It definitely is present at the lower level. So I had I had an issue with that statement as well. So just to be clear, the statement you had an issue from the captain, Bongi Wamsomi, is the when she says, I can proudly say that amongst all the black players in the spa proteas, none of them would say they feel marginalized or ill-treated because of their color of their skin. 100%, yeah.
Okay. Let's uh, take Benny from Johannesburg. Good evening, Benny. Uh, good evening, and how are you? Fine, thanks, and you, Ben? I'm good. I would like to speak on behalf of the males, mm. but also maybe to reiterate to the statement that was made by our captain. I think the statement is not a true reflection of what is happening in the squad of South African uh, netball play, uh, uh, squad. Uh, you get a player, for example, with, uh, Boney, which is playing a wing attack, and then you've got uh, uh, Kanisa, who's also uh, a black player. Mm-hmm. But then when they do the swap or they, 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 they change the substitute, they'll take Boney out and put the black player. There is no way that you'll find some type that will do the exchange of saying a black player to the white player and all of that. That's point number one for me. Mm-hmm. And also, we as males, we did a petition to Netball South Africa. And then we are we are only asking for them to give greater recognition to males netball, promote netball as a sport for men and boys at all levels of Netball South Africa. Treat male netball, treat, treat male netball and male netballers as equals. Organize more competition for men's netball, including international fixtures. I've been playing for more than 30 years netball. Mm. And I've been there, been selected in the squad. I don't even remember who I had to go and wear my green and gold. And there is nothing that is happening for men. And there was also a test that was given out by Netball South Africa. They say uh, they are males with regards to the administration of that 80-something percent, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm asking, what are those males are they getting from? You know, because if you look at it, if you look now, there's only maybe plus minus about four four males. But I mean, lots of males who are so involved in administration in terms of empowering, etc. But they are not being involved. And you ask yourself, and then you come now and say, there is no equality, there is equality, there's no discrimination. But then there is a lot of discrimination that is happening. And Netball South Africa is not doing anything. So and as males, it's totally uncalled for. Just on that note, Benny, I mean, we once covered a story a couple of years ago, uh, similar concerns by uh, male netball players. But at that time, the, it was just after the, the national championships and there was a squad chosen. Oh. When a squad is chosen at the national champs, what happens then? Where do you play? Nothing. You just go to Galatina and do your work there and be on the stage. And from there you are done. There's nothing that they do. I've been there. I've done it. I've been part of that. Nothing that has been done. Netball South Africa, just go there, we'll, we'll get the hands for you, then done. Okay, thanks for that call. Thanks for that enlight- uh, insight there, uh, Benny. Let me also read another S- another SMS here. We're also going to go to Mamputsotete. She's also on the line of our former player, also coach. And uh, But I want to read this message that says, I stand with this Black Lives Matter netball movement. How is it that only black players are being subbed? Coaches are coaching players in Afrikaans still. In provincial teams, they still choose the minimum number of black players, which is four. I've never been in a team where there is more than four black players in the top tier teams. Zanele, the language of instruction there in Afrikaans, somebody has raised a concern there. Does that still happen? Is, is that correct? It is absolutely correct. And not only from a coach, from coaches to players, but also in other levels of administration with regards to umpires, you know, meetings being held in Afrikaans, understanding very well that there are black people who are black umpires in South Africa and, and they don't understand the language of Afrikaans. And this is what we're trying to say is that we have such a, these things happening, but where do we go and, and, and say, you know what? This is not the right thing. This thing that's happening is not right. And who will actually enforce the change to make sure that things like that don't happen? And coaches don't speak in Afrikaans. And coaches don't speak in Afrikaans. That uh, head of umpires don't speak in Afrikaans. That 
managers don't speak in Afrikaans, you know, because black people don't understand Afrikaans. Majority of people in Nepal who are black don't understand Afrikaans. And why should Afrikaans be a language that is used when there is English? We're already doing a lot understanding the language, which is English. Now you're forcing Afrikaans down our throat. And these are the things that are happening. And Nepal, South Africa, whether they're aware of it or not, we're asking, we know these things are happening. Who do we go to? Who do we talk to about this? And who's going to make sure that these things stop happening? Because when you do go and speak up and say, I'm having a problem with this, you just labeled as disgruntled, you labeled as a troublemaker, you labeled as always having issues and all those things. And fortunately now, we're not um, players anymore. So we're not, we're not afraid to speak out when things like this are happening. And we're saying that it has to stop. And we want to know how those things are going to be enforced. How is it going to come to an end? Because we cannot continue, continue having these things coming up year in and year out. Let's also bring in Mampo Tsute, it's a former player coach, also who joins us on the line. Mampo, good evening. Thanks for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Good evening, and thank you so much for having me on. I believe you are also part of this group here. Why did you feel it was also important for you to add your voice um, here in this, uh, as part of this movement? Um, I think the main thing that brought us together, obviously, is the fact that we've, we all have a passive plans in the pro tiers. But also because of our specialization, um, Zan, of course, with her uh, uh, coaching on, on such a high level, I myself have also been coaching for uh, a netball. And then with Simi as well, with her knowledge of what happens in terms of the business sense of, of, of netball and also the playing side. And for me, they really woke me in on the academic side to try and analyze what exactly has been happening. I want to specifically address the EPG report that they have mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've published. Um, especially with regards to the Minister of Sports saying that uh, Nepal obviously qualified and reached all their numbers. Uh, but I wanted to actually challenge these numbers. And I want, to, firstly, to understand how they got to these stats of them. First of all, uh, when you look at their stats in the EPG report, players under age, they reach 67%, which means USASA and the development of Nepal is being done well. However, when you get to the pro tiers, it's only 30% of African players' representation. So where are we missing? What is happening and what is the disconnect between players under age at 67% of representation to in the protest 30%? Why are we not seeing a direct link of those figures? Secondly, umpires. Out of 185 active umpires in South Africa, only 25 are black. That's a 13.5% ratio. Mm -hmm. And that is horrific. Secondly, Black active female coaches, which is where I lie. Out of 2,802 coaches that are actively in South Africa at the moment, only 37 are African. That's a 1.3% ratio. So when they talk about transformation, I would like to understand, according to their, their numbers, because what I suspect that they did is they've mixed male figures because a male netball is predominantly black, right? And as the gentleman has already uh, rightfully said, um, after they select the national team, nothing else happens with them. So they take the figures of, net- of men's netball and then they put them together with the female side to try and make up uh, the numbers. Because this does not add up if you look at the female side of it. Coaching is the most important. And for me personally, ever since I've been in the system, there is such a lot of clientelism that happens within in the netball uh, uh, structure. And people are playing uh, a prisoner's dilemma completely, right? Yeah. So I've been uh, specifically emailing um, the, the, the head of, of, uh, of coaches. And she bluntly ignores majority of my emails that I'm trying to um, 
uh, re-establish my, my coaching level two. I even had to get help from the Gauteng Nepal president in order for her to acknowledge my email. I have also attached the, uh, the president of Nepal, South Africa, who is also not at all responded. And I'm not the only person who's in this, in this position. I can name a lot of others that we have asked them to, to make phone calls that are African coaches that are competent in South Africa. We're talking from people like um, Unontre to uh, Professor. There's so many black coaches in the country still are waiting to have their level two a practical examination but they've been put on hold however by using clientelism they fast track their babies and people that they mentor in the system in order to get them mm-hmm. to get into positions and this is a massive problem that we have in Nepal. so just to answer one more question that you asked earlier on mm-hmm. you said what exactly would we like as a result of this engagement with them, which is a letter that we were going to post to them uh, following this conversation and their response to our letter. First of all, we want an increase in African players in the national team. Secondly, we want an increase in African head coaches. Every single time they try to put African coaches as assistant coaches, and that is not on. We are qualified, we are competent, but we are not being given opportunities. And then when we are vocal about things, they keep us out of the system and create stories and pass those stories on so that people can think that we are incompetent. Thirdly, we want an increase in umpires on on A-level. We do not have enough African umpires on A-level, which means we don't have enough African players who can umpire internationally. And that is a big problem because umpires play a big role in the development of Nepal, right? And Mm. thirdly, we'd like a a TRC process with the injustices that have happened with current and ex-players where we can voice our concerns and what has happened to us so we can heal, so that we can mentor and do the right thing going forward. And lastly, we'd like a platform where we can address discrimination, racism, and injustices, specifically with regards to uh, intimidation by officials, which could be anything from head of selectors, head of umpires, uh, the president himself, intimidating players, coaches, etc., etc. And we want a discriminatory process that these officials will be put through. Because unless we have these things, this is going to keep on being the, the, the problem that's happening in Nepal, South Africa. Uh, I don't know if one of the other ladies would like to add anything to that. Yeah, I can absolutely support you there, Marco, um, especially when you were speaking about, you know, black coaches and and how we are we are kept as being assistant coaches. I'll give you a simple example for myself. You know, I'm coach. I'm the head coach of uh, of the University of Stellenbosch. I have been. This is my fourth year. Uh, I went I went into two uh, finals this, uh, in. In 2019, yeah, a USA final and a, a Boston Airport final. Uh, I applied to be the head coach of Stings, uh, which is the TNL uh, team that play. It's a it's a, t, it's a team that plays in the TNL. I made a specific decision to apply to be the head coach of Stings, not the assistant coach of Stings. And we went and we were we were we were called into interviews and made as if to made to believe as if we're going in there on equal footing. You can go in and present yourself, you know, and 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 fight to to get the position of of head coach of Stings, considering the fact that um, more than half of that team is players from my are my players from the University of Stellenbosch, and I thought it only makes sense that I coach them. Um, and that's why I applied, you know, to be the head coach of things. I go into this interview. One member of Nepal South Africa is sitting in the interview uh, with another lady, and she's asking me all these questions. No executive member of Western Cape Nepal in these interviews. Um, you know, you walk out of there and you think to yourself, okay, how does this play? How, how did this happen? 
couple of days later, you get an email that these are the coaches that have been appointed mm-hmm. and are made an assistant coach uh, of this thing. And I made it very clear to Naples South Africa that I will not, again, be used as a pawn just so that the numbers look right, so okay. that the pick. We just want to take a quick break. We'll let you continue after that, Zanella, after this quick break. Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. And there is so much reaction here. Apologies, our WhatsApps are not working tonight, but the SMSs are coming through thick and fast. Somebody says, so many players are scared to speak out because if I speak out, I'll be kicked out of the team and another black person will be pulled up. We're being made to work against each other, so no player will speak speak out if we speak out we need to know that our playing days are over somebody says even at school level we can't speak out we still have coaches that use finances finances to discriminate players example we have a situation where they choose less black players because they cannot afford which for me looks like an excuse not to have black players in the team and uh, somebody says i had a little girl coming through the system or oh, oh, the sms keep jumping up and down guys i can't read I had a little girl coming through the system. I paid for her trip as soon as possible so that she doesn't waste time. But I was told it's first come, uh, first seven. She was clearly left behind there. Um, Sim, Simnigo, I'm going to come back to you, but I want to go back to Mampo. Mampo, you were talking about the system. Clearly, it seems like the system is broken. You're saying that uh, black players or coaches or umpires are not being given opportunities. Do you think, though, it is systematic, it's intentional to have the system like this, or there's just a lack of will? She's still there with us, Mampo. Yes, I'm still with you. Okay, I, I was asking if you think that it's intentional to have the system in this way. Is it systematic or is it just is there just a lack of will for change? And I, I, I'm so grateful you asked me that. And and, and for me, it's, it's an institutional, structural issue that needs a free reframing. If you look at the old order of how Nepal and majority of our sports systems work, they literally were transfer, for, for, transformed from the apartheid into the current, right? So we're talking about the top universities. They use the exact systems that they've been using, and majority of the big uh, portfolios um, were still being managed by those those kind of institutions to a certain degree because they have aligned them into provincial structures, right? So even if you're coming as an April South Africa from a top-up kind of uh, view, let's say the president, for instance, we could find that the president maybe doesn't even have power at the moment to be able to institute certain decision-making criteria, even though when it does get to clientelism, it's something that's very rife within April South Africa. It is about who you know, what institution that you're aligned with, right? And uh, who you basically uh, uh, um, align yourself with to a certain degree. And these are very big problems if you are looking at it in terms of trying to get a developmental structure coming on to get more players from rural areas and and, uh, townships into the system. Because as we know, they are not aligned to institutions. So unless you're going to one of the top universities in the country as an African player, then you're obviously going to be uh, left out of the system. Because one, where do you train? right? Uh, where can you go and get that high performance kind of training? Player identification. What are the means that are being done in the various um, 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 provinces to be able to get kids from townships and rural areas into the system? So it's a complete uh, structural issue and it's an institutional transfer from back in the days to now that has not been looked at, right? And whenever we try to speak, then it's a carrot and sticks, just to name one. For instance, Zanele might speak up. 
then tomorrow they'll make her the new captain of, of, of South Africa or they'll give her a South African coaching position to ensure that they keep her quiet. Because once you're within the system, then you are kept quiet because you want to keep your position, right? And this is the problem that we've seen over and over again. Hence, we spoke to ourselves, it is time that we spoke publicly so that the rest of the country understands that this thing of Nepal South Africa keeping us quiet because we are divided is not going to work. Another strategy that Nepal South Africa uses is the divide and rule system. That is, if Mampo comes on radio right now and speaks, we are going to make sure that we pick the next uh, African person in line after her to replace her. Then the next person thinks, oh, I am better than Umampo, whereas they don't understand the bigger scale of things. Because the reality is you cannot change an institution or a um, a Naples, South Africa from within. You will need to sanction the whole institution in general as African players for them to be able to make the right changes that will suit the African player. Because as it stands, they will just play us against each other, which is something that they've been doing for a long time. Simi, do you do you agree? And what's your understanding of the structure? Because I know that a lot of heat is directed at the president, Cecilia Mulukwane, but... She was one of the first person to come on this show last month when she was clearing the air about that TNL selection selections where she was saying that no teams will be allowed to take part if they don't represent the demographics of the country. She was very clear on this show and she was scathing on those who were selecting teams that did not make up what the country looked like. So uh, is the problem with the structures and what's your understanding of the structures then? Yeah, so I think I think one... To, to, to add to Mampu's point, it, it is a systemic issue. Um, and yes, they did inherit, um, you know, a federation like many other sports codes in South Africa that um, I think at the, at the crux of it um, is, is obviously legacy issues um, that, that um, I think are, are well entrenched within, within the structures. So yes, there is an element. And, and I did applaud um, the president of Netball South Africa, I think, for being very bold um, you know, and pushing back to to those teams and saying that those teams can't be made up of the institutions only because they're not institutional teams um, at the Telcom Netball League. Um, those teams should be a representation of all the clubs um, within the specific provinces. And I think that is certainly the right step in the right direction. And um, I, I want to push back again and say if, if the president um, is able to do that, um, you know, at a provincial league, and enforce those powers, the same should be done at a national level with the spot purchase. Because if you look at spot purchase, um, you know, you can ask yourself the question, is the spot purchase a true representation of the demographics of South Africa? You know, and if you're able to question and and, and, and disallow teams to participate, we should be asking the same of the spot purchase and saying that until you get the right demographics and, and put it back to those provinces and say, Where are, go find those black players. Go and find those black players, train them as we've done with Pumza Mawin, who started playing netball six years ago, as we've done with Wong Insomi from the rural case and et cetera. Go and find those black players so that they also are a true representation of the country. And she's done that with TNL. Um, why are we not seeing that through with the SPA protest? So I agree with Mampa. It is a structural issue. It is systemic. But we do need, um, I think, robust and, and, and really, really radical and action to change this thing, to ensure that our children don't go through the same things. I mean, it's, it's disheartening that we went through this decades ago. The current players are, are experiencing the same injustices. And it just means that it's a vicious um, cycle that's just going to continue unless, um, you know, action is done and action with intention to, to, to dismantle that system, which totally prejudices black players.
We're talking to Simnigium Takazanalem Totana and Mamput Sotets, and we're still welcoming your SMSs to 41391. We'll wrap up this conversation about netball and Black Lives Matter after the break. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. As we wrap up now, let's go back to Zanel Mtodana because uh, before we got cut off with the previous break, she was still telling us about uh, the experiences of coaches that there is still discrimination when it comes to coaching and she had gone for a job and she felt that the process was probably not entirely uh, fair. Zanele, w- w- you can add on that. What what else did you want to share with us? Yeah, so Toby, so um, one thing that Mampo said when she was speaking was, you know, we are, we are black, but we are competent. And we are not at, at any point saying that we want to be given positions because of the color of our skin. We're not even putting our, the color of our skin forward. We're saying we've proven ourselves that we are, we are capable and we are ready to be head coaches. And all we're asking for is opportunity to be head coaches. So I, I mentioned earlier that um, I didn't get the, the, the position to be the head coach of Stings, which is a TNL team mm. in South Africa. And then a couple of days ago, I wake up to uh, uh, my phone like going off the hook. And I'm like, what's going on? And I see this uh, post on Naples South Africa's um, Instagram page and Twitter, I think, as well, saying, like, you know, saying that our Fast Five head coach is Anel and Dota. And, uh, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I thought to myself, these are the exact things that we are talking about. How is it possible that I'm not good enough to coach at a senior provincial uh, uh, level, but I'm good enough to take a national, a South African team to go and play in a, in a tournament overseas against Australia, New Zealand, England, Jamaica, Malawi. But I can't play as a Stings coach, head coach against the Jaguars, the Tornados, the Fireballs in mm. South Africa. And I'm saying it doesn't make sense. You've got, to, you, you've got to be able to be a coach at a senior provincial level, and then you can be a coach at a national level. How, do, how does this picture look? And that's why we're saying we're not going to accept these positions because they say, yeah, we're just giving it to you to silence you. If I wasn't good enough to coach at a senior provincial level, then I'm definitely not good enough to coach where? At a, at a, at a national level. Because I've got to prove myself somewhere. And this is what we ask you for. Give us the opportunities. Don't make us jump steps. Don't throw us in the deep end. Because when we do fail or we do drown in the deep end, then they're going to say, there you go. That's why you don't get these positions to coach. Because you what? You're not competent. You're not good enough. And the thing of black coaches that when we are uh, um, head coaches anyway, we have to perform miracles. You get your first opportunity. If you don't make the most of it, you're out. Whereas white coaches get given numerous opportunities. Numerous opportunities. They can fail year in and year out, but they know that they're still going to be given the opportunity to coach. And so we're saying yes. we, we, we deserve an opportunity. We deserve an opportunity because we are competent. And with you now speaking out and being part of this group, do you not fear then that you'll be victimized going forward? This is exactly what we were saying, Tabitha, you know, and I, and I say for me, this is not a bad position. We're looking, we want the holistic change of Naples, South Africa. We want Naples to, to, to change on all levels. So I can't keep quiet now and say, I'm so scared if I speak up, I'm going to lose the opportunity to, to coach the first part. Then so be it. Then let me lose it. Then I wasn't, then I, then I wasn't deserving of that, uh, of that position. In the first place, then, if me saying, 
these are the things that we are having issues with. These are the problems in our federation is gonna is, is gonna is gonna then result in me losing that opportunity. Then let me lose it. As long as I know that from here onwards. The players that are, in the, uh, that are playing netball in our country will be given a fair opportunity. Umpires will see more um, black umpires coming to the forefront, representing us internationally as well. We'll see more black coaches coming in. We'll see more managers coming in. We'll see, you know, we, we want to see the holistic change. And if losing, if speaking up makes me lose that opportunity to coach the fast five, then so be it. Same I'm with- willing to say. We've got about about two or three minutes left, Simi. I believe that over the past few weeks, since the other sportsmen from various codes have been speaking about Black Lives Matter, the former netball players have also been sharing their stories. How has that process been? Yeah, it's it's been quite um, overwhelming, Tabitha. And I think that's why we, we also felt that, you know, let's create this, um, this email address where players, coaches, umpires, males... Um, current and former players can have an avenue to speak up. Um, and, and the response has just really been incredibly overwhelming. Um, but I think the one thing or the one threat that stands out is still that uncertainty or that um, fear of being um, victimized or intimidated. And we say to the guys, um, you know, we, we will um, approach NSA for a dialogue because we think it's important. We're not just doing this, um, you know, for the sake of, um, have a conversation that ends up in space. But we actually want to engage NSA in a dialogue so they can get a real sense of what's happening on the ground um, to, to prevent um, you know, falsified statements, as we saw um, in the 30th of July. And ultimately, we want to engage them in dialogue. We want, we want people to actually be the ones that carry their stories, their own narratives, um, so that NSA understands the depth of the problem and that they work with the individuals to come up with tangible um, solutions because we don't want this to be another hashtag. Um, and we're saying that we love Nepal, we want to be involved, but come on, we need 26 years later after democracy, we need to be in a position where we can really celebrate the sport that we truly love. And we're happy that it does represent the demographics of our country. Um, at this stage, we're nowhere near that. And the big, um, I think it's for us to the call to action. And um, we do want to engage in a dialogue with NSA to, to find a way forward. Mampo, in a minute, are you surprised that there's been no response or have you given NSA time to come back to you? Um, at, at, the non, at the non-response. Because individually, some of us have been trying to communicate with specific portfolio holders that just con- constantly ignore our call uh, to communication. And just to, to, to round this off, you know, you mentioned something important by, is, you know, Zanella not scared that we might lose our position. I think one thing that we're inspired by in terms of the youth of South Africa, especially the generation uh, of the June June 16 movement and also of Nelson Mandela, is they saw the bigger picture of what it actually takes to make change. And one thing I want to tell to Nepal South Africa is this. We will no longer keep quiet. We are leading a bunch of very driven, smart girls that have made this their life's mission. And until we see this change, we will carry on with this movement. This one will not be pushed under the carpet. You can try and silence one or two of us, but this movement will carry on. So we do hope that we can get them in dialogue and we can start the process of change and they can stop this clientelism that is happening within Nepal. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you, uh, Mampotote, Tizanelem Totana, and Simnigiwam Taka, former national team players now um, involved in coaching Uzanele and uh, Umampo, uh, just talking about the challenges uh, faced by former current netball players, uh, umpires, uh, 
coaches, etc. And I think it's only fair that we take this discussion forward by inviting back uh, the Netball SA President Cecilia Mulukwane or anybody that can speak on behalf of Netball South Africa. They have been listening to the show tonight. We did send out a request. They were not able to speak to us this evening. So hopefully after what has been said, uh, this will be their opportunity then to respond. And when they do agree to that, we will let you know and we'll take this conversation forward. But it is uh, our time now. Uh, we have to go to news.